Do you think about making dynasty trades even while watching football games? Are you thinking of player values when you should be thinking of family values? Then you may have a trading problem. Don't worry, you're not alone. I am Dynasty Outhouse and I have a trading problem. And I'm Brian Haar and I also have a trading problem. Join us for the Trade Addicts podcast where you can be with like-minded people and talk about everything in the NFL in the context of dynasty trade values. News and notes, make amends, keep trade buys, all these things we will cover every week. And don't forget Trade Addicts trades. So when you're done listening to this fine DLF family podcast, please tune in to the Trade Addicts podcast. Thank you and enjoy your podcast. Do you have the time to listen to me grind? Take down the film watchers and learn some at once. With the mask not adding up, you said I'm checking it out. I'm working to the ground. Welcome back to the Dynasty Crossroads. My name is Peter Howard at PA Howdy on Twitter. This is a member of the DLF family of podcasts. Insert other professional sounding introduction type remarks. Um, this is part two of a conversation I recently had with Zach Reed. An honest conversation about Dynasty is what I decided to title it. According to the first episode, I was able to get edited. Um, when I talk to Zach Reed, if you don't know, by the way, stuff I forgot to mention, he's from the Dynasty Dummies podcast, and uh, he's a stand-up film guy. Um, he's uh, at TacitAssassin13 on Twitter, and I know that that uh, at makes him sound like a 13-year-old boy. As far as I know, that's when he made the handle, but it's, it, it's, not, it's not that. It's not Tactical Assassin. It's Tacit, as in Tacitus. And that's actually probably someone Zach would be more likely to quote. Um, no, but he's a really cool guy. I always do our conversations. We always go over long. I always just end up clicking record at some point and we completely forget to record a podcast. So there's no show sheet. There's no theme. It just tends to be two people who really enjoy playing fantasy football and talking to each other, having a good time. And once again, it happened. And uh, every now and again, when I think the episode's good enough, instead of just finding the 30 best minutes, I like to just release a whole conversation, hoping that I enjoyed this conversation. Hopefully you will, too. It seems weird to think someone would enjoy a conversation with me involved in it, but that's there for most of it. I really did try and let him talk uh, most of the time because uh, he's awesome and fun to listen to. Um, so, yeah, this is part two. First part just worked out nicely to be a conversation about how value um works in dynasty and how it's different to redraft and how there is uh some exaggeration of it at least in uh, the, the part of the dynasty community i spend my time in most of the most of the time yeah that'll work um it seems to be over exaggerated might be different in your league but i still think it was a fun thing to think about and i really enjoyed zach's thoughts on it this next section um no, I haven't listened to it yet. I'm joking. Um, I was there, right? Yeah, I was there. Um, it really got me thinking about the difference between... Uh, now, obviously, too many f- financial terms are thrown around with fantasy football because we're not really investors and they're not stocks and prices aren't real and they don't go up and down and it's all a little ridiculous. But the only thing I can think to relate it to is bear and ball investors. If you have, and I might be getting these wrong because that's literally not my game, but um, it, it's helping me understand my process better. So I'm just going to lay it out for you. 
And the reason I think I have gotten better, what's helped improve my rookie evaluation and made me hit more often than I miss, is being, I think I'm a natural bear. Um, which, as I understand it, is someone who's more likely to be pessimistic, whereas a ball is more likely to be optimistic. And I think in season, you've got to bring out the bull in you. It's like, this is the week that this player goes off. Even if all the other weeks are trash, this is that week. It's a DFS-minded week-to-week grind, and it's not my natural inclination. I think that's why I came in through rookie evaluation, where I found most of my success, whatever that is, to this point. Because it's a lot easier to find and highlight, or has been for me, inaccurate, outright lie, or mythic concepts and rookie evaluations. And all you have to do is understand which ones are those and just be bearish on them. Just bet the, or just short, that's a financial term, (laughs) the players that everyone's bullish on based on height and BMI and other things that are literally just narratives used to bolster an argument and it's not that the size you are doesn't matter it's just that it has no real connection to whether a player is more or less likely to break out over another one or be good for fantasy and it really works I don't know I mean I've been doing it a while and I'm way too successful for an idiot at it you know it's got to be there's got to be something to it as far as we can tell in such short samples anyway. So I've been really working on my bull, in-season bull is the way I think about it this year, working on trades, working on uh, strengths of schedules, which are mostly untrustable, but it's what we have. If you're trying to be a bull in season, if you're trying to be bullish on something, then you have to evaluate the information you have as well as you can. The reason a quote-unquote natural bear yeah i'm gonna call myself that for a second and hates them and has always faded them it's just it's too easy to see all the narrative that doesn't work out it does not work but most things don't we can't predict the future very well and sometimes someone just has a bad game i mean it happens so you have to do the best you can in season to bull it up and anyway I don't know why I'm bringing this up. Yes, I do, because it's kind of central to why I find some things easier than others, why I excel at some things over others, um, and where I'm trying to improve currently. And I think, for me, that's part of the thing I took from this long, interesting conversation with Zach. It's where to be a bear, where to be a bull, and how best to evaluate which direction is the one you should go in. Because you might be better at some things than I am and worse at some things than I am. That's just a natural pe- person thing. And so um, knowing where you should be bearish and where you should be bullish. Where you buy stocks <laughs> or where you short stocks. Uh, and yes, I only know the term short because of the financial crisis. And isn't that a wonderful, wonderful outcome? It's all good. I learned what a short is. Um, anyway, uh, anyway, this is the second part where we dive more specifically into moves um, inside a season. Not just talking more broadly with examples, but literally talking about um, the, 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 the guts and the nuts um, of different fantasy leagues and things that we try and do. 
Um, hope you enjoy it. I hope you enjoyed the first part. I assume you're not here if you didn't enjoy the first part, in which case, ah, you're wrong because you're not here to hear me. And if you did listen to it and hated it and you're here just to see if it gets better, I didn't mean you. I meant, I meant, I meant some, some other person. But thanks for trying again. I really appreciate the second roll. Um, yeah, here we go. Let's go listen to Zach talk for a while. Thanks very much. Bye. The difficult part about this is because, you know, I'm just a fantasy player trying to get better, is I I think all of this. Yeah. But it doesn't always work out in my leagues because you can't get those trades done. The mini market of your league, it's a real, mm. I've been really trying to tackle it this season. It's like, yeah, I like Debo Samuels, but I saw him as a value, not a top 12 wide receiver, and I just couldn't get it done anyway. Whereas Darrell Henderson f- fell into my lap most times, and so did James Robinson um, for similar reasons. And so there are teams where I've got these good cheap running backs but the wide receiver trades didn't get done and that's the other difficult part about dynasty as time moves on you ha- you can't draft players at value or even draft them slightly ahead you've got to make it happen through trades essentially and it's uh, it's another aspect of it it's why i can say all of this but then you go to your guy and your league or go um and be like give i'll, I'll give you what you want for Mike Evans, he's an older receiver that's finally being drafted at a decent value after being overvalued, in my opinion, for several years. <laughs> and uh, they're like, no. I literally, like one, one guy, perfectly reasonable, per- like I'm not calling it out just in case he ever listens. Um, and he was just like, I'm not, I'm not trading vets. And he had no rookies on his roster. So I was like, you're just not trading then. And he's one of the people <laughs> that had like some of my wide receiver targets. He's like, just no, I'm not trading vets. Now, again, a better trader than me, like John Bosch, was like, you should have just sent offers. Send really good offers and something would have got done. Now you're locked into this thing. Yeah, sure. But, I mean, you don't know when that's going to happen. And also there's a variety of ways that that kind of thing can happen where in Dynasty you can know where you want to go and not get it done. Um, I've been trying to think, like, is there a way of knowing which, and not really. Yeah, when you when you're looking for value players, especially in the off season, you're trying to get them cheaper than you think they're worth. And so I can't be like, I just didn't believe hard enough. I should have traded much more than they were worth <laughs> to get them because I, the reason that we liked them was because there was a decent chance. That's why people didn't like them as well that they wouldn't do something significant. And so yeah, it's rough. I don't want to make it. I, I, I'm guilty of this as well, and I used to and still do listen to podcasts, and they make it seem so simple. Just draft the old guys. Go get the old guys. Why don't you have Debo Samuel? I don't in a lot of places, and my team stink, and it's because part of the difficulty of Dynasty, like I, like we said to start the show, like it's not that they're wrong. It's just how do you work? Like You can't do what you want to do. Not necessarily. Like I legitimately think I wouldn't be trying to trade Personally, I don't try and trade players I don't think, you know, will help the other team because I'm an idiot. <laughs> so, like, I legitimately think James Robinson, Darrell Henderson would help teams win this year, even if it's just a drag along back behind them in case, you know, their Derrick Henrys get injured. There's a bye week or it's a better flex. I think there would be better flexes most week um, than who they're currently rolling out. What was I going to say there? Yeah, it doesn't mean they have to agree with me. Just because you think it doesn't mean they have to, and that's perfectly valid because it is. It would be better for them to win and not have to trade away some of that value. So it's not like they're wrong, or I'm saying it's easy. But like I, I do think it's a headspace I would advocate for. 
having said that, I'm losing plenty this year, so maybe don't. <laughs> <laughs> they, but there's such a there's such a psychological come on and this is this is my favorite i know you know this but this is my favorite part of this game is there's such a psychological component to this where you know you have the big overarching group think so you've got twitter and you've got whatever facebook groups and you've got i, I don't TikTok. i'm old we, the, I, but i assume that they talk about fantasy football on TikTok and and <laughs> And so you've got the you've got group thing, you've got DLF ADP, and you've so you've got all of this stuff. But then down here in the in the microcosm, you've got your own league, which may or may not subscribe to this overarching group thing. And so you know, you've mentioned earlier, you know, how do you how do you uh, find players that you think are value and underpay for them, and what I tend to do, and and this is just how I attack it, is invariably on my rosters I'll have guys that that people like more than I do, and they just it just happens. I mean that's it's either I get stuck in a rookie draft and I draft uh, somebody who's not Rondell Moore and and then get stuck without Rondell Moore and and with somebody else who I don't mind trading or or. I acquire players, you know, in a startup and and they just weren't quite who I wanted or you know, maybe I maybe I picked up an orphan team, but whatever it is, there are players that that the group think likes more than I do. Yeah. And there are players that I like more than the group think. And so what I tend to do is go find where there are those juxtapositions and try to get those deals done. Uh, unfortunately, that means I sent away Mike Williams this year because everybody liked Mike Williams more than than I did. And so, right. you know, in the couple of spots that I had Mike Williams, I I flipped him to to add pieces that that I like. Um, so it, it doesn't always work out, but that's how I end up acquiring the players that I think are a value still for what I consider a value, even if the market doesn't see it that way. So like, I'm, I'm not, I am not beholden to ADP as gospel. I think ADP to me is, is a real nice way to take the temperature of where I think everybody is wrong. Right. (laughs) Like, and, and maybe that's, maybe that's a little arrogant and I don't mean it to come off that way, but like, that's that's where I make my bets is now nah, I think you guys are way too high on Brandon Ayuk and I'm going to trade Brandon Ayuk for someone down here that you think is not as good but I think is much better and and so that's where I'll make those those gains. Yeah, John Bosch has set up a really interesting league where you could basically uh, there are there are a million teams in the league, which is part of the difficulty of it. But essentially, the, an ADP was set up, and you could take whichever player one to twelve from each round. Huh. And it's really interesting because it kind of subverts a lot of that, if you know what I mean. <laughs> but yeah. still, as we do, we made lots of trades, and people found edges. Like it's best to have the one copy of a player because then no one else can have that copy because everyone that wasn't drafted and um, that was. Uh, that was in the ADP uh, is forever removed, and it's just waiver wire players after that, and then rookies will be added to the pile. So it's really interesting. But I didn't get Marcus Brown in that league or Debo Samuels because I happened to trade away the picks in the rounds that they were in, but I did get Cooper Cup, 
and Juju Smith-Schuster because I wanted Cup and I wanted Juju, so I traded into that round. Um, I'm like top of the fold in that league, but like, there's a lot of players in that league. I'm fairly happy with the team. Um, it was an interesting exercise. It's too much to get into, but it, no. it's like a microcosm of it. It's like I know I'm not the best player in the world, but if that many teams can draft that well and I can definitely not knowing this is what I'm getting to. It's like, I don't know when to go all in on being the contrarian. I can notice them. I've been pretty consistently good at noticing like the Cooper cuts and the Debo Samuels and the Marcus Brams, but when to just go frick it all in. These are, these are the exact edges that I see that I want to go for. I, I don't, I, I, that I don't know if that's a skill um, or what, but, that's an element to die. That's an element we're not talking about. It's one thing to be able to say, yeah, these are values, but to know that you should just make sure you get them. It's one of the reasons I really like Jacob Rickrow. He gets stuff wrong all the time. We all do, but he very much sets his mind on the plays he wants to make and moves his draft strategy around for it. Yeah. And I, I've always kind of respected that. It's not that I want to agree and want to make every pick that Jacob does, but the way he will, um, it's almost where you stop thinking about diversity across your roster. It's like, these are the plays I want to make. And I'm going to, I mean, I'll be happy to get diversity in Derek Henry here and there. And therefore you get that right, even though he wasn't one of your major plays, but I definitely want Lockett in this round. I'm going to move my draft around that concept. You know what it, I mean? Yeah. It's, it's funny. You mentioned Jacob Rick road because he, you know, he's one of, the, the people when I first kind of came into dynasty that I was like, this guy knows what he's talking about. And, and it's one of the things that I kind of patterned where if you look at my, I only have six dynasty leagues, like six, that's it. I, like mm. I, I, for a while when, when Kyle and I were, were hot and heavy doing the <laughs> podcast and, and like really kind of immersed in this, I had, I don't know, probably 15 or 16, but, but I like, I've pulled way back because I, I just don't have the bandwidth for it. But what I've noticed is exactly what you said. I have become a lot more uh, convicted in my takes. And so the, the players that I have identified. So if you hear me talk about a player on a podcast, there's a real good chance I either roster him or I am trying to. And right. and so, like, if you look at my teams, my teams almost invariably, because, because a lot of what I do is build through rookies, my teams almost invariably have some combination of Justin Jefferson, uh, A.J. Brown, C.D. Lamb, uh, Rondell Moore. Like, that's those mm -hmm. are the guys that in the last few years I've identified and said, yeah, I'm going to go get them. And if you look at my rosters overall – you know, there, there are players, Cooper cup comes up a lot. Uh, when uh, Ridley came up a lot, when, when Kyle and I were talking about identifying players who were um, of, of one from the wide receiver two position, it was Chris Godwin. And, and so I have a lot of, so I like my rosters are not the, not as diverse. If I miss on players, it hurts. And so being able to identify, developing a process to identify, and I think you're really good at it, but you... you, I think uh, what I'm talking about here is league play, which is also just partly 
how much attention I'm paying. Yeah. And I'm not saying I would easily beat these people if I was paying attention. <laughs> not, not at all. They would kick my ass nine times out of ten. But I think I'd be happy with the moves I was making. I, I was just thinking when you were talking, like when you first started coming in and listening to Jacob, like that was a big thing for me too. Like I wanted to have a definite take. And this is my guy. And this last couple of weeks, I've been trying to make lists. And I know this sounds weird, but bear with me. Like I've been trying to make an all buy list. Um, and every time I try, I've got too many sections. Like, there's too many variables. And I get all <laughs> nerd conspiratorial gif. Like, if you're buying, but also you don't have quarterbacks, then you do this. And it got too segmented. It's like, I got too many players here, man. And then... You need a flow that, chart. But that's the entire thing. I, I think I've got to the point where I understand most narratives. I know which ones are good but it's just a complex real-life situation, and it happens more often than not, but you're not going to see it in just a percentage, and which ones are just noise, vacated targets, for example. And so I know <laughs> roughly, just because I ran my peepers over it, I just went and looked. It wasn't that hard. Um, to be honest, most of it was running down extra ideas. Um, and so I've got to that point, but now I have to get back to, you just need to, yeah, you, you can't, be so worried about getting stuff wrong yeah. that you don't target the things that you really well, think. Well, like it, a lot of my content, like uh, like Debo Samuel Marcus Brown make me look like a genius this season. And then I'm trying to be as honest as possible how little I managed to make that happen for myself because I can see it. But like, I also understand that it was very unlikely. There was a, like, this was extremely unlikely. So, um, yeah, you know what I mean? I've but, but that's a separate just go set all of in where you're all in. Yeah, it's a, it's a separate set of skills, though. It is is Apparently. you're talking about? <laughs> so no, so like identifying the players is one set of skills, and it's very valuable to the the community. So listening to you, and and I I do like I will fully cop to when when your show comes up. It's it's auto downloaded onto my podcast app, and and I I listen. It's very valuable. But the other part of that skill set is, and this is one that, that I'm better at during rookie drafts than I am trading, but I'm working on it. I'm listening to, to Russ, uh, you know, trade addicts, and I listen to Shane Manila and, and, and trades HQ. And like, I try to get better at trades, but like there is this, there is this one basket of identifying where these these players who are undervalued who have uh these profiles that and and you you approach things analytically so you're seeing the 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 profiles that look like profiles that have hit you know so so it's it's okay this guy has this this and this which you know, player X, Y, and Z had who also were successful. And so I think that, that this is a player. So I don't attack it quite that way, or or maybe I do, but I don't use numbers. Like <laughs> it's, we, we, it's funny because we have a similar process, but like from completely opposite ends of the spectrum, which is fun for me. And, and it's all, it's always fun when we disagree because I, I, I learned. Yeah, I'm always coming in from the side because I don't, evaluate football and and that's but it, but it's like it's fascinating to me and and i love it when we we meet like we meet and we agree on a player and it's just like ah okay so 
So the numbers say yes, and my film evaluation says yes. So we're just gonna hammer down and go. But but what I'm what I'm saying is the the so that the analyzing a player, the identifying a player is one bucket, one set of skills. Acquiring them is an entirely different skill set. <laughs> and, and and sometimes as an analyst you get so caught up in the identifying that you forget to play the game. Like you're, you're so busy analyzing the game. You forget to play the game. A little bit. <laughs> I also think uh, just more broadly, I think that's still being too generous. I think I, I made a lot of uh, good calls. This Have particular balls, season Peter. made a lot of bad ones, but part of it's that, but also, um, Especially with my process, something I've been noticing is I, I stay too broad. The lists get too big again. Like the right players were there, but they're, they're too watered down. Yeah. Because when if I go back and listen to the podcast, they're all mentioned, they're all separated, they're all highlighted. And next week, there's another three players. Like how, <laughs> you know what I mean? Um, I yeah. think trying to not miss where, even though you're going to get stuff wrong by doing it, you've got to narrow it down or slightly. And that's what I was getting to with my buy list. It was so frustrating watching myself. It's like, yeah, all these players are great. And one of the things I was thinking literally while you were talking, it's like, it's actually something that connected in my head when you were talking. And I was again thinking about John Bosch. We mentioned like the same three players, player, like dynasty players and analysts every time. Not one of them is employed by a major in organization, I'll point out. Like, I don't know what they want, but it's certainly not smart people that know how to do this game. <laughs> and, but, John Bosch talks about not letting this or that get in the way of elite level asset. Now, in some instances, I disagree because he's interested in value players like Carl Pitts. But um, it, it is part of it where you do have to narrow down to this very specific list. I forgot the way I was going to say this shit. Um, that, that was it. Um, a way to get yourself out of making a list that's too deep. Um, is one not being too worried that you don't have deep names on your rosters? I've been strongly trying to build into this concept that sleepers suck because some. <laughs> that's why I like undrafted free agent sleepers, man. It's because they're, they they have they the don't potential cost they can be what we really want a sleeper to be. It's very, Adam Thielen and Austin Eckler, who's like running back two right now, by the way, is like really really rare, but they can actually be what we used to remember sleepers being because they are so cheap and they are so effective when they do hit those large roles. Most of them are Donald Mooney's and they're good. And Michael Gallup's good. Fourth, I know he's not an undrafted free agent. I'm co-opting everyone outside the third round. <laughs> Just deal with it. Um, but a way to deal with that, and I've been increasing, and one of the things I really tried to push this off season in my DLF content was ex kind of... Um, exaggerating because it's not always true but uh, that's the thing you've just got to go in somewhere and one of the things that i really try to go in this offseason i really want to knuckle down on moving forward is players break out at their level or that believe players when they tell you who they are and so like if a player breaks out like justin jefferson is seeding lab immediately into the top 12 that's who they are Whereas T. Higgins and Colin Sutton, who I like a lot and are very good players, that's who I would trade up for into those elite assets. And that's where John Bosch connected in my head. Like, that's a way to do it. Don't be worried that your target list is Justin Jefferson's and CeeDee Lamb or 
Devontae Adams, if you want to slight discount, because of age or so on and so forth, but be willing to trade those top 24 players into uh, uh, top 12 players. And having said that, I realized I would have put Marcus Brown and Debo Samuel both on the top 24 list. And that's why I was interested in them. They were being drafted after that list, and I thought they should be in it. So values still exist. But then once players are valued there, and right now T. Higgins stands out to me, Cortland Sutton, these are great players. Terry McClellan, who I really thought could break into the top 12 this year, most do it by year three. It doesn't mean he's any worse of a player. Again, where I'm not evaluating football, I just think it happens slightly less often after the third year. Now, it does happen. Mike Williams is literally doing it right now. Um, so it does happen. Um uh, I think Devontae Adams only really got into the top 12 in year four as well. I think he'd like but again, he broke out in that exceptional category. And so, well, it's not always going to be right. It's not like players that don't break into the top 12 aren't going to hit the top 12. But I think that would be a way to knuckle down and shorten that list of by players. Like right now, I want Colin Sutton and T. Higgins, and I want <coughs> Marcus Brown and Debo Samuel, who will now be valued in the top 24. But if I can trade them up into Devontae Adams, into... Jamar, Ch uh, Jamar Chase, Jamar Chase, uh, Justin Jefferson, and someone that's falling slightly right now will be Calvin Ridley, and that's what I'll do. It doesn't feel great because you got to... I hate the way we always talk about it, like <laughs> currency, and we're already trying to get better with vocabulary, and it's not even about that. It's just it doesn't sound like quite the right term to spend players, but and to trade those type of players into that who's on my elite tier list. Um, now, values obviously still exist because that's the thing. Someone, uh, John McGill, I think I've, he's got a podcast and I've been on it, but he asked me the other day, who's my deep buy list? I'm like, most of the players I want, you should know about. I want Chase, I want Jefferson, I want Adams, I want Calvin Ridley. My deep buy list now, and that's where I started with rookie evaluation. It was looking for all those secret super sleepers. <laughs> and now I want to find those players, but I'm always looking at tier below most people. Like, I'm still interested in Tyler Johnson. I mean, I'll be interested in the undrafted free agent class from this. The undrafted free agent class was kind of meh. Um, from this year's class in particular, but the ones that are really just roster wasters. Um, and then occasionally top 24 players that fall out of the top 24 because age or because people like a new younger player on the roster, like Debo Samuels or Marcus Brown. And that'll still exist. But then when they break out like this, I end up wanting to trade a, uh, into that elite tier. Anyway. Hey, Editing Pete here. I just wanted to slip this in because I've continued to think about the, you know, the real deep buy list. Um, and I, I didn't mention all of them, but one that's been really heavily on my mind is Tim Patrick. Um, his numbers actually are decent. He's, he's being sustained by touchdowns way too much right now, <laughs> obviously. But, I mean, this has been too consistent for too long. I think some people may underrate it um, because of the undrafted free agent status as well. He's only got like a 15% target share. I really wish that was high. I really wish it wasn't so much about the touchdowns. But I think there's a pretty clear signal that Tim Patrick is a much better player than we typically think. This isn't what just the wide receiver two on a team that's struggling with good, even better players that keep getting injured do. Uh, I just thought I'd drop that name in here. I'm really interested in Tim Patrick right now on a deep buy, especially if you're competitive um, in bye weeks and stuff. Like, I think Tim Patrick's really interesting, and I just kind of wanted to throw that in here. Anyway, bye.
I think I've gone over this way too many times, but I think that <laughs> might be one way to get myself in the headspace of um, how to go up. Because there are some unusual players on that list, like Cooper Cup. He was the one that I think of as a top 24 player, but we had him, he has top 12 upside, and he's currently doing it again this year. I, I, would say um, we, I think Tyler Lockett have... is continually and will always be underrated in that category. And since he's disappeared again, probably again, will be <laughs> underrated in that category because you've got um, D- um, DK Metcalf on that team. I think DJ Moore, I'll be interested to see where Dynasty lands on him. If they keep him in the top 24, I think he's that elite potential asset. He just needs touchdowns, man. And <laughs> I don't think Sam Darnold can do it either. So I don't know where I would place him. Believe that he's top 24 still. He looks like a top 12 asset doomed to be a top 24 player. <laughs> and I get I get quizzed about those. I categorize players top 12 and top 24 all the time. For a start, realize that those aren't the boundaries you want if you're looking at actual ranks. We've talked about this before on the crossroads. Like You want top eight are both running back and wide receiver. It's really weird where you draw the lines. That's just an easy reference for me to think about wide receiver ones or wide receiver twos, running back ones, running back twos. It's not a set definition. But uh, yeah, yeah. Anyway, sorry, I'm talking too long. No, I I, <laughs> I, I like that. And and y- I think you and I think about players in a similar way when we're talking about Hopkins. the we're talking about the tiers. We're talking about, you know, you know, a, a running back one or a running back two or a top 24. It's not necessarily where they, they finished or a position. Yeah, you, yeah exactly. Yeah. And, and so that, again, that's one of the things that when, when I attack trying to find, trying to identify these players, I usually go pull up DLF's ADP and, and bypass the top 40 players. Uh, just right. completely ignore the top 40 players because I, and then I start looking at the players beyond that and say, oh, well, I think, you know, I'd like to add this guy. I'd like to add this guy. I'd like to add this guy. I make a pretty short list. And then I go back up into the top 40 and I go, no, this, he shouldn't be here. He shouldn't be <laughs> right, here. Right, right, he right. Sh-. And, and so, and, and again, you're talking about because the pressure of an analyst and and I guess to some extent the pressure of a dynasty player is to go dig it's to find sleepers it's to go find that player that nobody else has we almost uh water down the the analysis we're we're almost over analyzing we're analyzing players that have no business uh being analyzed we're we're looking at players who you know probably aren't going to to amount to anything in terms of fantasy, which is what we care about. I mean, they, they could be fine NFL players, fine for their team. But sometimes narrowing down your focus to good players is beneficial. Yeah, I don't <laughs> – Yeah. I think, especially being an undrafted free agent fan and everything else, I get nervous wanting... Like, the true answer to most questions is I want those top five guys everyone else already knows. Right. And the rest of it is searching for those few others whose value is going to rise up enough that I can trade but, for them. But, I think the, but, the, but the most <laughs> valuable... So the most valuable rookie picks in the last few years mm-hmm. have been 
the guys that everybody had just outside of that tier. Editing Pete, back again for the close. Um, we're about to start talking about rookies, more specifically from this class, and I thought that would be a good section break. Like, well, next, next section, next episode is rookies in 2021 and how they're doing and who we like particularly and stuff like that. Anyway, um, again, really hope you're enjoying the conversation. Uh... Again, I sure did. Oh, one more thing. So many. I forgot to mention about Zach. Zach does uh, a lot of the theme songs I play. I have a lot of theme songs for the Dynasty Crossroads at this point. But the first one, not the one that you're about to hear or you're starting to hear right now uh, from Gabe Gearing of the Open Bar Podcast, but the one at the very beginning. Anyway, that's pretty cool. Um, Thanks. Hope you're having a good day. Bye. Yeah. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfold, so. Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Picking my nose, don't really know if I like that. Picking their brains, got different lanes, but I like that. Picking these guys, all of these times, all of these nice stats. Picking apart, the film is an art, always a fight back and forth. There is no order, they disorder more and more because the players ain't no older. They some hoarders or some mortars, dropping bombs without no borders. They got that eye like mortar, peak grinding numbers like molars. I don't know anymore, I am at a crossroads. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical. Chicken a crow, chicken a crow, crossing the road, go. Clicking a poll, Twitter is gold, player unfolds. So, Jake on the table and they on the plays, though. Pete enumerates the plays, they're analytical.